if we're realizing this isn't working for us, either it's just not working for us to live together or our relationship is not working and not serving us. Like, how do we feel about that? How do we want to go about that? Um, That's a scary and vulnerable conversation to have, but it can be so important to at least open the door to that conversation as opposed to waiting until everything's falling apart and you're fighting over the Tupperware. I've been there. (laughs) Um, to be talking about these things. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multiamory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about cohabitation. In other words, sharing a living space with someone else. Uh, We're going to talk about some important questions to ask yourself before moving in with someone, as well as some actionable ways to create a harmonious living situation with whatever kind of living situation it is, whether it's a roommate or a romantic partner or something else, um, as well as covering some special considerations for people in non-monogamous relationships. Well, my first living situation wasn't until I was out of college, different from most people, I think. Like, I somehow managed to get through college not you living lived... in a dorm, not living Whoa, with Whoa, I see, so not at all. You not were totally alone? I was totally alone, and it sounds really sad when you put <laughs> no, it that it way. No, it sounds amazing. I Are you kidding me? I felt that I was very strong and independent and badass, but yes, I was totally alone. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I'm, I apologize that you felt that that was like a bad <laughs> thing that I was saying. No, 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 I no. was literally like, what? You had your own place all through no, college? I loved it because I was just renting like a mother-in-law unit from some family friends, so they rented it to me for super cheap. Um, what is a mother-in-law was, unit? It's like a, a standalone little like studio that was in their backyard that was like detached from the main house. Um, but it was pretty cool, you know. Had like a tiny little kitchenette and like it, had, it was two stories actually. Like wow. there was like, real a real staircase that went up to a real second bedroom. It was quite spacious. Um, oh, I thought it was awesome. But obviously, it's like you know, once you lock that down, like I wasn't giving that up. Like I stayed there nah. through all four years of college, just me and my cat. It was great. But okay, this episode is not about living alone in college. It's about oh right. I totally skipped the, the whole purpose. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I just love living alone so much. Uh, anyways, but after that experience, like my first like cohabitation experience outside of just with my family as, you know, when I was a child, um, mm-hmm. was moving in with a romantic partner at right. the tender age of 22, maybe even 21, actually, I think. Yeah. So tender. Wow. And we moved into a place that I think was smaller than the place that I lived by myself in college. So that was all Typical. kinds of rough. Yeah. Well, you were in Los Angeles, right? So that makes yeah. sense. It was also my first time moving to Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot yeah. a lot at play there for sure. There was a lot there. There was a whole lot there. Yeah. yeah. First time even having a roommate in general and then also first time living with a romantic partner and also thinking it was going to work in like a super teeny tiny dinky little space. It was Yeah. It was something. It, I learned a lot. That's what I'll say. Mhm. I mean, when I was much younger, uh, you know, my brother and I shared a room, but not in a long time. So I think that was the first time 
sharing a you know sharing a uh, a space especially a small space like a college dorm um but that freshman year roommate we had this kind of relationship where like we would sort of talk but didn't really interact very much you know it was just sort of like the bare minimum necessary to function in the same space with someone else um but yeah anyway and then and then um had some other roommates in college but then uh, my senior year is when I moved in for the first time with a romantic partner. Um, so that mm. that definitely was a very different sort of thing. Like that, at least for me at the time, like I thought about that very differently than I had with living with roommates and, and things like that. Right. I guess I felt more adult at the time. You know, even at the tender age of 22, it was like, this is a very adult thing, moving in with a romantic partner. Oh, yeah, for sure. Definitely. That was a factor for me, I'm too. so of, adult now. Yeah. Feeling, exactly. Feeling very adult. Yeah. What about you, Emily? Well, I accidentally moved in with an ex-romantic partner my my sophomore year of college. So Wait, you accident- hey, how do you <laughs> yeah. accidentally move in so, with someone? Accidentally is not really what happened, but... We were dating all through the first year of college when we both just lived in the dorms because we went to school in Cincinnati and had to, you know, have a a dorm situation for the first year, uh, as many colleges make you do. Um, And then we signed a lease during the summer or no, signed a lease like before we left for the summer and then broke up over the summer and we're like... We'll be fine. We're just buds. We It's a two-bedroom, no problem, which, you know, was a problem. It was a problem. Mm. So that was not yeah. ideal. And How long then, did that lease last? The whole year. It was oh, a but year. I mean, how long did you survive? Nine months, the, the year of wow. school. Yeah, oh. I mean, we, stick, wow. we stuck it out. It was not pretty, but we stuck it out. Um, and then I ended up moving upstairs. It was like this huge, like eight bedroom house in Cincinnati that was like two basically doors. So like two bedrooms below, which is where I lived my first, my sophomore year. And then five bedrooms above, um, I guess that's like separate entrances. Is that what you're saying about the two doors things? There were only two doors in the entire house. It really made things difficult. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. Yeah. Two front doors. And so then I moved upstairs um, with like a bunch of foreign exchange students and then one other guy from my class. Um, Did your ex still live below you? No, he moved to his own place. And that was a really cool place. Um, So like I could go over (laughs) there sometimes and we became good friends after that. So it it did work out, actually. It worked out. But when we were living together, not so much. That was really rough. But after we stopped living together, then we became really good friends. And he still lives in. Yeah, he still lives in the city and we still hang out sometimes. So nice guy. Oh, it's yeah. a happy ending. I was expecting a much worse ending to that <laughs> no, story. No, totally. And then, yeah, pretty much like from the time that I moved to Los Angeles on, I've either been living with a roommate or living with a significant other. Mm-hmm. So I had like two brief moments of living alone and that was it. And they were like six months or less. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. Jason, and I lived together. What for how long? A long time. Two and a half years, three years. Yeah. I thought it was more like, Three or four years, but yeah. Four years? For, for a decent amount know. of time. It was a while. <clears throat> now I live with Josh, so there it is. <laughs> yeah. Living with everyone. Yeah. So so to kind of bring it back to the topic and, and talking about all of this, like we want to talk about 
questions to ask yourself before moving in with someone, and then also things you can do to make that better. Um, and we did want to kind of look at first, though, some some statistics and things about cohabiting, and then also kind of all pointing back to this question of why do we choose to live together? And I think that's a pretty central question to ask yourself. Um, not because there's necessarily a right or wrong answer, but I think that having an honest answer of why you're thinking about moving in with someone or why you are moving in with someone or planning to or have already moved in with someone is important, you know? Um, yeah. So so Dedeker found this um, study by the CDC, which I'm confused about why the CDC would be studying this, but... I guess. I guess they. Oh yeah, the Center for Disease Disease Control. That is really well, random. Well, you know, like when people live together, you know how it is when you're living with someone and they get a cold, and then you get a cold, and then especially if you have multiple so. partners and they come over, then they get a cold. The okay. CDC is aware of this, and they're like, "We need to get this under wraps. We need to know who's living together, why, oh, how long, yeah. how we can prevent." Uh, yeah. You know, Dedeker from freaking out and like wiping down every knob and light switch with alcoholic wipes whenever a cohabiting partner gets sick. Yes, which she, that's my theory. Which she does do. You yes, do. the CDC yeah. wanted to understand that. <laughs> They're like, why yes. does Dedeker do that? Let's do a study. So um, we do want to preface this by saying that, as so many of the studies that we talk about on this show, unfortunately, it is focused purely on heterosexual uh, romantic couples living together. It's not. It doesn't also take into account roommates or same-sex couples or non-monogamous couples or anything outside of that. So it is limited. Um, and essentially they came up with a bunch of statistics from this study, but at least from, from us looking at this data, a lot of, a lot of the data doesn't say quite what you think it says, because it really depends how you interpret it and how mm. you compare it to other factors and things like that. And so you'll hear people kind of toss out lots of statistics like, oh, if you live together before you get married, you're more likely to get divorced or things like that, right? That statistics that have been... It just seems very puritanical. Right. And the thing is, if you look at the numbers, you go, yeah, okay, that, that checks out on some mm -hmm. of these studies, but it's leaving out a lot of details and a lot of factors and things that go into that. Um, but one thing that we did notice about this that is kind of relevant to what we're getting to about this question of why we move in together is that one of the big takeaways is the fact that people who choose to cohabit without getting married first are more likely to be economically disadvantaged than the people who do get married first. As, um, in, makes sense. as in they are you have less money. in a context of being economically disadvantaged when they choose to move in together. It's not that cohabiting makes you economically disadvantaged versus no. getting married. But that's a great example of how you could look at those stats and go, ah, living together before you're married makes you more likely to be poor instead mm. of going, actually, people who are poor are more likely to cohabit, right? Mm. That that's, or that's the maybe thing. you just and, live in Los Angeles and it's, you know, $2,000 for a one-bedroom apartment. Right, right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and, and so all of these are factors in terms of these changes, too, that there's there's things like the fact that housing costs are much more expensive now relative to inflation than it was for previous generations. So if we're looking at younger people or older people who are now looking for a new place to live or their living situation has changed, 
it is a lot less feasible to live on your own. And then that on top of the fact that more and more people are living in cities rather than rural areas, which also makes that price go up. Also among millennials, you know, we've definitely seen that like, you know, as a general trend, you know, millennials are waiting later and later to get married. Um, Also, the divorce rate among... Yeah, or not at all. The divorce rate among millennials is also significantly lower than it's been in previous generations, previous decades. Um, however, you know, they are looking at the fact that millennials are much more likely to also have gone through an experience of cohabiting with a significant other before getting married, either to that same significant other or to someone else. And so it is kind of like, while our parents' generation may have gone through like the start, the quote unquote starter marriage and then to the next marriage that I feel it seems that like, you know, among millennials, there's much more likely to be a chance of like the quote unquote starter marriage was that like first cohabiting experience mm. or the first several cohabitings ha- or the first several cohabiting, <laughs> you yeah. know, because on outside of, you know, the legal ties that come with marriage on the surface, choosing to cohabit with a romantic partner, it carries a lot of overlap. Uh, with our traditional image of marriage. You know, you know, you are figuring out the living space and sharing possessions and starting marriage without the strings attached to a degree. Without some of the strings. (laughs) Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, but you, but you don't have the like financial and legal ramifications that you would if you were to sign a marriage certificate. Yeah. Not in the same way. It's like marriage. Yeah. It's like marriage light a little bit, maybe. Yeah, for some people, I think it is kind of like a marriage light. It is weird for Mm -hmm. me to look back and think about, you know, the partners that I lived with. And I've only only technically have like two experiences of like long term cohabitation with with significant others. Um, And it is kind of funny for me to look back and think about like if this was 30, 40, maybe even 50 years ago, that these would have been maybe these would have been like two marriages, (laughs) you know, two different marriages that I would have had and then divorces. And then and then I just like shudder and then I can't get to sleep and I stop thinking about it. (laughs) And then you travel the world and get rid of all of your possessions and are like, (laughs) nope, not doing that again. (laughs) Oh, boy. But so so the reason why we felt like it was interesting to bring up this statistic about people cohabiting without being married are more likely to be to have lower income um that i think that is an interesting thing to think about in that question because i I feel like correct me if i'm wrong but i feel like if i went into a room of people from you know their 20s through their 30s maybe 40s and said like show of hands who has moved in with a romantic partner where saving money was a significant portion of that decision to do it. I know my hand would go up and I feel like a lot of other people's would too. Um, do you mm-hmm. guys, am I, you feel like that makes some sense? Well, yeah. I mean, when you and I, like Jace, you and I each had our own studio apartments right? for like, a, like I had my own for a six month period and you were over at my place every day anyways so and I was paying like thirteen hundred dollars for this freaking studio apartment in Studio City, and it was like, why am I doing this when this person is already over here, and we could get a way sweeter place and split it? And right. so that's exactly what we did, and yeah. it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, well, and- it does seem that you know, with rising housing costs just being mm-hmm. ridiculous, you know, both the cost of purchasing a home or renting a place, that it makes sense that the pressure on that does increase, right? And mm-hmm. so it does become more and more 
you know, economical or it makes more and more sense to choose to split the cost of that either with a significant other or with a roommate as well. Well, and that's the funny part is that I feel like when I when I say this about like, well, saving money is a significant portion of your decision to move in with your romantic partner. I feel like people get a little uncomfortable with that. And they're like, I don't I don't know if I, I want to understand people getting uncomfortable with that. But hmm. then you say like why did you move in with a roommate that's a platonic roommate and you ask the same question. Everyone's like, "Of course, why else do you have roommates?" <laughs> right? I mean, not not hmm. always, but for most people it's like, "Yeah, of course." And I think that it's that's worth line. examining. Yeah. That's worth examining. Hmm. Like why and it's it's stuff we talk about on this show a lot, like attaching money gets tricky with romance. Yeah, like yeah. especially when you attach meaning to it, or you attach mm-hmm. this idea that a decision can't be logical if there's also romance involved, or it can't be practical, or anyway. So I just kind of bring this up as like try to be as honest as you can with yourself, and ideally with your partner or your financial advisor or you know whoever. Whoever's sort of giving you, you advice know, my, on my this. financial advisor. Yeah, right. I have one. That that Those. thing that exists. Yeah. The thing that everyone has. <laughs> yeah. No, but we'll definitely yeah. be talking more about that specific thing. Being honest with yourself regarding this yeah. question, like why to move in at all as the show goes on. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a good segue to talk about. Um, you know, when we were putting this episode together, you know, we curated the talking points with the intention of these things ideally being applicable both to a more platonic, quote-unquote platonic living situation or a roommate situation, as well as being applicable to choosing to live with a romantic or a sexual partner. Um, And I think I would like to invite people as they listen to this episode um, to take the challenge to apply our favorite filter of the like relationship anarchist slash romance ship filter when thinking about cohabitation situations um cohabitation because if you think about situation. it that's a good i don't I know like if that's that. even correct but but no it's I like good it. it's good it good. sounds like it could be a sesame street song yeah it's kind of i was thinking think like a schoolhouse rock. rock i was thinking schoolhouse oh yeah rock, schoolhouse yeah. rock okay all right we'll have to workshop that one yeah. um anyway but you know it's you know choosing to live with specifically a romantic or sexual partner that's so wrapped up in the relationship escalator and so wrapped up in this idea of like this is just kind of the next step on the path. I think for a lot of people, it's been baked into this idea of like, that's just the next step on the path to maybe marriage or, mm-hmm. or you know, whatever comes next. But I think it is really interesting to apply the filter of thinking about like, what are the behaviors that you would or could tolerate from a roommate, but not from a romantic or sexual partner and vice versa? Like, what are the behaviors that you could tell or that you could or that you do tolerate from a romantic partner that you live with, but maybe not from a roommate? Um, We'll talk about this a little bit more, but I think that is an interesting thought experiment to try on that can really kind of change your perception of sharing a space with somebody. Yeah, because we do tend to give our friends a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt at times than we do our partners. I know that I've done that in the past, Um, and it really truly is just okay to prioritize like living with someone who's not a romantic partner if it is ultimately a better fit for you. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that that's a takeaway that we want people to know when they listen to this episode, and understandably, people might be like, well, but I need to live with a romantic partner because that's going to move the relationship forward in a way that I want it to. However... If that's not serving both of you, then we urge you to maybe reconsider that. And there are Mm. a bunch of reasons why. But 
Okay. In terms of, oh yes, Dedeker. Yeah. I just wanted to jump in on that just to, you know, because I think that, you know, there is this growing trend of couples or married couples who choose to be together, but live separately. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's great. Like I'm totally in support of that. That definitely comes from a place of privilege that not everybody has the ability to afford their own separate apartments totally. Um, But I also want to invite into the discussion the idea of like, okay, maybe you can't afford to like have two separate houses or whatever, but it's like you can still have roommates that are not each other. Mm -hmm, You mm -hmm. know, you can still kind of find a way to negotiate this. And just because you choose to have a roommate that's not your romantic partner doesn't necessarily mean that the relationship's failing or the two of you are not meant for each other romantically. I I think that's my opinion. I'm going to yes and this even a step further (laughs) And say, or even if you do end up saying, gosh, you know, finding good roommates is hard, because obviously that's fraught with peril sometimes as well. Uh, You're a romantic partner. I know I get along with you. This makes financial sense. Let's do it. I would actually argue, too, that just admitting that and understanding the fact that we're doing this, not because we have to in order for our relationship to be real or that this is something we always have to do, or else it means we don't love each other, rather than attaching that meaning to it, that if you were more honest about, yeah, this is going to save us money, this is practical, and by approaching it that way, I actually think you could set yourself up for a better, more romantic, more fulfilling, more communicative relationship that way. So that's that's my, I'm throwing that out there. That's my okay hypothesis. My I like it. Yeah. We've tossed our soapboxes into the ring or or some kind of metaphor. I like Indeed. that. We tossed well, our soapboxes into the rain. Into the <laughs> ring. Okay, let's get into the actual listicle part of this conversation. <laughs> we have a couple. Um, and the first list that we're going to talk about is, uh, are the questions to ask yourself and the conversations to have before moving in with someone, with a partner, with a friend, with a random person, anyone? So the questions to ask include, do you get along with this person? And see, this is tough because sometimes I know, I've definitely heard like people who uh, I work with say like, well, I put an ad out on Craigslist and I'm like interviewing people to live with me, which seems really hard and intense. Best of luck to you if that's what you're doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um I think it might be challenging just from like one interaction to know like, am I actually going to get along with this person if I live with them? I think that's a very, very like fundamental thing that someone should ask themselves upon, you know, initially thinking like, can I live with this person? Do I get along with them? Um, And then also another one is, do you have conflicting work hours or schedules? Does someone work a nine to five and the other person work a night shift? Are you like ever going to be able to sleep because one person is up, you know, all hours of the night and the other person is up during the day when one needs to sleep. Uh, Things like that, just do the schedules. Are they hugely conflicting and therefore cause like major disruption in our lives? I think that's that's also a good conversation to have, even if it's with someone that you're much more intimate with, such as a romantic partner, because I found definitely... When sharing spaces with romantic partners, like I will I will assume that I know this person's schedule in and out. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, they work on these days and then they're usually home around this time. But so many times it's not until you're living with them that then you realize like, oh, wait, there's this thing or wait, they actually get up at like six in the morning to do, to do this or mm. uh, in the right. case of 
anytime I'm sharing a space with someone, it's like, well, I need to have a private room in order to do client sessions. So if there's not a private room, I need to kick them out, you know, (laughs) and it's for some reason, these are also all like always things that slip my mind or slip the other person's mind until we're actually in that space. So so I can't even tell you how many times we've, we've been (laughs) in a space and it's like, Oh, this place is nice. This will totally work. And then it's like, Dedeker says, I have a client coaching call at, you know, seven in the morning tomorrow. And I'm like, Oh, (laughs) get out. Right. I need to go find someplace to be for an hour or two. I need to wander the streets of Tokyo when nothing is open at 7am as a vagabond. Nothing opens before like 11am in Japan. (laughs) Yeah, uh, there you go. Anyway, <laughs> a little bit of a tangent. But, but we have, I, okay, but to be fair, Jace, like we have, and with my partner Alex as well, we have definitely learned now yep. that, you know, for instance, if we're staying in a friend's place together or if we're booking an Airbnb together or something that we're like, okay, this is something we definitely need to pay attention to because mm, we mm-hmm. burned ourselves too many times not paying attention to that. Yeah. Yeah. And that for us, it's now a regular part of our radar is talking about mm. upcoming travel plans, where we're going to be staying and do we have separate workspaces? Um, like have we, can we, or some other way to, to give yeah, that Can we hack space. together a separate yeah. workspace? Yeah, like yeah. Even just like, oh, yes. No, I was just going to say, or, or like having a convenient other place to go during that time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I often work at night for this show where my partner has to, you know, be in a different room from me or he has a nine to five. So we have to kind of work that out because often I will be working nights and that sometimes can be challenging. So yeah, yeah, all of those things are a consideration. What are some other ways? So yeah, so that's work hours and schedules and just kind of being very real about other parts of your schedule that might not be so obvious up front. Um, So the third one here is about, do you have conflicting social lives? And it, this doesn't mean like one of you is a Montague and one's a Capulet or something like that. This but is, it could mean that. Could Can mean you imagine? That. It could mean that. <laughs> but we decided to live together anyways. <laughs> yeah. One's a jet and one's a shark or something. And you can't have your friends Whoa. over at the same time where they stab each other. Um, mm-hmm. I hate that. I know, right? No, what we mean here is, for example, this, again, roommate, partner, friend, whatever, that one of you loves having people over. Like you love hosting, you love having people over, you want to have this like open door policy of like, people can always come into my space. And like, that's, that's what I love my home to be. And then the other person could be someone who's like, my home is my cave, like my sanctuary Mm. away from people. Like, this is the place I want to be and not deal with anyone. Obviously, those two might have a harder time being compatible, right? That's something to talk about and to figure out, ideally beforehand, before all of a sudden you moved in and you thought you had this peaceful little apartment, and now all of a sudden there's people over all the time and you're hating it. Or on the other side, you might be disappointed because you're always having to shush all of your friends that you want to have over because your roommate is... super introvert. Well, because your roommate's a loser and they Uh, don't want your friends over and they don't want to be bothered, right? Okay, I'm just going to speak up in defense of of quote-unquote losers or introverts. That's Because I see you subtweeting me right now, Jace. (laughs) I'm actually not. I feel like I'm I'm usually the one who's who's more on the side of like, can we not? Can we not? I'll be so loud The only time when Dedeker is ever like rained on my parade is when we were on tour and she really wanted to leave when I wanted to karaoke some more. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm. But she had a good yeah. point because I was super hungover the, for the next day of our tour and I fell down a hill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. 
That was terrible. <laughs> okay, so the moral of this story is listen to Dedeker sometimes, even right. if you think she's being silly but, and not social. But right, do you have conflicting desires for your social lives? And and yes, this yeah. is a good thing to, to think about and, and to address. Uh, next one is, is this person financially reliable? Yikes. Yeah, that's that's a big one. Yeah. But a that very important tough. one. I, well, it's I, also, okay, I guess we'd, I'd want to dive into like what counts as reliable, because that sure. may differ for different people, what counts yes. as being financially reliable. Um, I feel like, though, I don't think, yeah? I feel like in this context, though, it is a little more clear-cut. And what that means is, do, do you really evaluate that this person is financially reliable enough that they will pay their part of the, the rent. rent or mortgage and utilities and like other costs associated with living here because the truth of the matter is if you both sign a lease your roommate doesn't pay their rent you either have to pick up that slack and pay it yourself or take a hit to your credit and potentially have collections come after you because the lease agreement doesn't say they pay half you pay half it just says you both owe this amount of money so this is a Has very that ever happened to any of you uh, I have picked up the slack for for partners who couldn't pay I've, rent sometimes. Yeah, I've yeah, picked up the slack. Have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I'm sure. I'm I guess sure I was asking been, about I've, the I'm collections sure I've, thing. I've been on Thanks. the receiving end of of someone picking up the slack for me for rent. Um, but I've, it's sure. never gone that far as in. Yeah, uh, that's a big, you know collections that's a big deal. had some late yeah. rent payments for sure. Yeah. But but anyway, that is a serious thing to think about right is mm-hmm. i feel like sometimes we just assume like oh yeah they're always going to pay their half of the rent but think about it ask that question mm-hmm. and it's also i think it's the kind of thing where it's it's not that it's necessarily good or bad it's just like have the awareness mm-hmm. um that like you may be in a situation where you got to cover for someone else yeah. and and mm-hmm. I, and i think actually like it's good especially with a romantic partner to just have that conversation of like what are we going to do in the situation where maybe one of us can't pay our portion of the rent um mm-hmm. You know, even if you're from the assumption of thinking like, oh, that's never going to happen, but at least, you know, ask the question and talk about the feelings that come up around that and things like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 Um. So another conversation to have is, uh, you know, do your housekeeping styles mesh or are they in conflict? Um. You know, what's kind of the level of cleanliness that you're comfortable with, that your partner's comfortable with? I feel like this can also uh, be a good segue into a deeper conversation of like, what was kind of the housekeeping style of like your family of origin mm-hmm. and um, you know, what feels the most comfortable to you? Um, and again, I don't think that it's necessarily a case of like, if one of you is, you know, a very, very clean, tidy person, if one of you is Marie Kondo and the other one of you is not Marie Kondo, oh, the like, opposite of Marie Kondo. Like, yeah. Um, I don't think that necessarily means you can never live together. It is going to be a deeper conversation of like, is there a compromise here? Mm. Personally, I lean more on the Marie Kondo side and I'm trying my best to kind of let go of some of that and be more relaxed about when things are out of place. Um, None of us will be able to put the dishes in the dishwasher as well as (laughs) Jay's. Gosh. Yeah. You're never going to live down that dishwasher thing, Jay's. No, let's, let's move on from that. No, (laughs) um, I I do want to say though, that, that this is something we're thinking about too, that even if you both consider yourself to be relatively neat people, it's different when it's your clutter or your misplaced things compared to someone else's and just. Uh, True that. that. Yeah. True that. Okay. What's, what's our last Uh, one for this section? And then our last one, very, very important. Um, 
I don't know how to phrase this into an actual question. This is kind of just more something to think about, a topic of conversation. And um, it's about what's known as the inertia effect. And so sometimes, as we mentioned, you know, living together, especially with a romantic partner, it's considered like the next step in intimacy. It's the next step on the relationship escalator. And maybe it's the next step on the path toward getting married or raising a child together or owning property together or something like that. Um, And so I think it's just important just to bring some awareness into the conversation and examine like are our reasons for living together is it is that an influencing factor that like we feel like this is just the next step or this is gonna be the next step on a pathway to a particular goal um and another thing to bear in mind is just the fact that sometimes after you have chosen to move in with a romantic partner it does make it exponentially more difficult to let go of that relationship if it's no longer serving you. Um, Mm. Because for, you know, all the reasons we've talked about previously on this show, it's like fear of change and being comfortable and maintaining the status quo. It's all wrapped up into, especially your living situation. You Mm -hmm. know, if you've created a living situation that's comfortable for you, but the relationship is sour or, you know, living with this particular partner is just not working out, it can just make it even more difficult to walk away from that relationship, especially if it's like, well, we signed a lease or, you know, we are saving money and neither of us could afford to go somewhere else or whatever. So that's just something to bear in mind. And it may seem unromantic to talk about it, but I think it can be important to talk about that very plainly with a romantic partner of like, if we're realizing this isn't working for us, either it's just not working for us to live together or our relationship is not working and not serving us. Like, how do we feel about that? How do we want to go about that? Um, That's a scary and vulnerable conversation to have, but it can be so important to at least open the door to that conversation as opposed to waiting until everything's falling apart and you're fighting over the Tupperware. I've been there um, (laughs) to be talking about these things. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. For a long time now, we've been fans of AdamandEve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners you can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com adammail.com or evestoys.com and select any one item it can be you know an adventurous new toy or anything you desire something fun something sexy whatever sounds good so just enter offer code multi at checkout and you'll get 50 percent off almost any item plus free shipping 
That's multi, M-U-L-T-I, at adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast, and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. All right. So once you've asked yourselves those questions about, you know, can I do this? Is this a good person to move in with me? Am I a good person to move in with? Uh, once all of that has happened, Oof, you I'm sorry. Can... I've never asked myself that question. And Maybe that's oh, I'm all sure, kinds of uncomfortable I'm sure questions. Like, I'm amazing and I'm such a good roommate. No, but... no, no. That's okay. Incorrect. <laughs> no, it's fine. So once that happens, um, you have some actionable steps that you can take for being a good roommate or for cohabiting with a significant other. Uh, And the first one is to establish some sort of code of ethics within your household. So what that means is just probably sit down with your roommate or your significant other and have a really intentional discussion about your boundaries, um, about just things that you are comfortable or not comfortable with in terms of like running a household, being in a household together. It's a time to compromise, but also a time to potentially put some of this in writing. Maybe put it on your refrigerator. Maybe just have it in writing because that's better sometimes than just like nebulously saying something out loud and then forgetting about it later. So I definitely encourage people to like actually write out sort of a a code of ethics, if you will, for what your household is going to look like, because then you can refer back to it um, as time goes on and then really be like, okay, listen, like. I am, and I'm not okay with these things. Like, Mm. let's work on that a little bit here. Even some sort of like a household radar, I think, would be a great way to do that. Even if you didn't do it, asking me regarding that, yeah, yeah. Even if you didn't do it as often, but Mm -hmm. of something like maybe every Every six months, yeah, every three months, every six months, whatever, we'll have a check in so that there is that opportunity to bring up things like, oh, well, actually, it always kind of bugs me when coats get hung over the back of chairs like that's something that bothers me um mm-hmm. that you get to bring it up before that point where you're throwing chairs across the room and being like these fucking jackets on the backs of chairs <laughs> oh you know wow. that it, it gives okay. you the opportunity is, to talk that about is it a first. point for jace that is a point do well, you I not mean, like but- jacket chairs is that a thing he doesn't like jacket chairs. I do it sometimes too, chairs. but it but it bugs me i i try yeah, to I, not do yeah, that. yeah i'm like i've seen you do that oh yeah, okay. yeah but i mean in case you've forgotten, like we do include household as like a standard topic to come back to with a monthly radar yes. as well, which I personally yeah. find really helpful anytime Absolutely. I am sharing a space with a partner to be able to, I mean, like you said, Jace, to have that opportunity where I can bring stuff up in this kind of safe and less emotionally charged space instead mm-hmm. of, yeah, waiting until I'm like pissed off the sixth time that I've had to pick up like someone's socks or something like that. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so so with with all of these things we're going to talk about in this section, these would be good things to bring up in this and to kind of continue that conversation about in case they change over time. So this next one here is to respect each other's personal space. And this is, I think, especially important to keep in mind if you are romantic or sexual partners, because that's where we tend to forget the fact that we need personal space as well. Mm. Um, so just being respectful of that, giving each other that space, maybe establishing some spaces from even just from like a decor perspective that each person has a place where they get to have more of the final say of how that's decorated even if it's just a half of a room like whatever you can do for you find some way to to have that space and respect that space for each other 
Right. It doesn't have to be that you have to shell out for like a six bedroom place so that you can each have like a right. private office and a meditation room and as much as that that be would be freaking cool. awesome yeah. um, <laughs> but it, nice. it could just be like this is my chair in the corner and this is where i go when like i want to read and not be disturbed you know it it doesn't have to be purely like all these separate rooms but just still even just little things even if it feels ritualistic or codified um mm-hmm. to be able to find that personal space yeah yeah um okay the next one is to the the fact that you're accountable for your own messes uh, and this is true for both of you to keep in mind and to have these conversations about it because it, it can be tricky if you are doing things like preparing meals together or you're both having snacks on the couch watching a movie mm. together or something like that. Like establishing kind of how do we pick up these things? When do we pick up these things? Is one of you okay with waiting till the morning to do it? And the other person is like, I don't want to wake up to that. We need to do it now. Having those conversations as you go and understanding that someone isn't doing this necessarily to spite you, but probably they just have a different way that they would do that or a different standard for that. And kind of looking at how can we both be responsible for our own messes. When I was living alone in Shanghai for two months, I definitely felt as though my messes would be cleaned up more quickly than if I'm living with a partner, just because like I'm the only one accountable for them and mm-hmm. I need to deal with them instead of letting like, well, you know, we might use that pan tomorrow to do something so it can like just stay there for a while. And then, you know, I'll clean it if we decide to use it kind of thing. It be Like you are the only one who has to deal with it. And if you want to clean space, then you have to actively deal with it. So it is interesting. Just try to be as courteous as possible, I think, in these moments, especially I mean, it, even, yeah, if you're with a significant other or not, like, it is incredibly important. Just try to, like, live like you are living on your own and be responsible for your own things. I think I think it's also an interesting exercise. Again, I'm always going to bring it back to the, like, deep dive into your past <laughs> and the things that formed you and shaped you. Oh, but, man. but I do think it is interesting to think about, like, think about the home that you grew up in and just think about, like, who cleaned up the dishes, who did the laundry? Who was responsible for hanging the laundry on the line? Who was responsible what? for like taking care of the dog? Just to just to think about like how do these things play out? How is that informed the way that I approach my own space or I approach, you know, dividing chores with people that I live with? I just I'm just like it's just more grist for the mill. It's just more interesting stuff to bring to the conversation. You don't have Indeed. to, jeez. No, no, I like that. I just the, <laughs> the idea of like hanging stuff on a line it felt very like 1950 to me. Oh god. <laughs> I was like we live in America with giant wa- like Oh, except dryers. for the fact that like we were poor growing up and so it's like in the summertime we didn't want to just like rack up the electric bill mm. and so you'd hang stuff on the line. All right, Dedeker, thank you for checking my privilege. I appreciate that. <laughs> no, you're you're absolutely right. So, okay, the next one is going to be to respect the needs of separation and autonomy. So we talked about this a little bit before, but just really, like, allow for your own personal space and your alone time and other plans with friends and people who are not your significant other or your roommate. If your roommate's a friend, you know, you may want to, like, do everything together. You may become this super tight duo, but at times it is good to do things outside of that relationship um, and really respect that time and not be like jealous or upset when your partner wants to like go off and have a night alone. 
that's super important. Yeah, I just want to second that. Like the importance, whether it's a friend or a romantic partner or whatever, of even in a subtle way of not guilting the person for wanting to do something without you. Of not the like, oh, okay, fine, I'll just be here by myself. Or just even if you think you mean it jokingly, that can be a really hard thing for another person. I know that. Yeah, and be like, oh God, I'm guilt. I feel guilty now. Yeah, I've, I've done that to people, and I've had it done to me. And when I kind of realized that that was something that Not I was cool, doing, even when I didn't mean it, or when I really needed it to be, but knowing how sometimes guilty or bad I would feel when someone would do that to me, really. So just yes, like really respect that time and encourage that time. Honestly, like for me now, especially with romantic partners, I'm like, they want to go do something on their own. I'm like, yes, definitely. You go do that. That's Get awesome. Get out of here. Because I know that the quality. <laughs> I want to see you. <laughs> no, because I know that the, the quality of the time that we spend together and their mood and both of our well-being and our relationship gets better when yeah. when they do that and when I do that. So I'm like, I try to make an extra effort to be encouraging of that and supportive of that rather than falling into that habit of like, okay, I'll myself even if even if i might be a little bit like oh dang i did want to hang out tomorrow still just be like yes definitely because i know that in the long run that's better for both of us Mm. yeah that's great um the next one is to try to deal with issues quickly when they come up don't let them fester and dedeker you kind of touched on this before like with the hanging the coat over the chair thing Mm -hmm. like if it does kind of irk you when somebody does something in a household capacity, bring it up. Don't just be really angry about it. And then all of a sudden you like blow up and say like, how dare you do this thing? Just bring it up in the moment and be like, Hey, I'm not super okay with you leaving dishes in the sink all night long for like multiple days at a time. Do you think maybe you could just do a couple at a time or get them done now, right now? Or maybe plan a time to meet and talk about it. Yeah. To avoid having to have them be like, I don't know, I can't talk about that right now. Or like I'm in the middle of something. To be like, let's let's set a time and have this conversation then. You know, this this idea of like let's work together to make this Mm -hmm. good for both of us rather than you need to do a thing for me. Yeah. Yeah, You're right person because you let the dishes sit. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the next one is, you know, I think this applies often to a situation when you're living with a platonic friend or someone who's not necessarily a significant other, but it could apply to them as well. Um, and especially if you're living with multiple multiple roommates, not just one other person. Um, mm. But, you know, do your best to avoid gossiping or kind of sharing the personal details of the person that you are sharing a living space with. Um, because to a certain extent, it's like when we come into our homes, we do expect a certain modicum of privacy. And sometimes that's privacy that extends beyond just, you know, it's not like your privacy is only within the bounds of you closing the door to your room or something like that. Like the privacy also extends to your home. And so I think this relates to just respecting the privacy of home space in general. Um, Mm -hmm. And so just avoiding, you know, gossiping about the like who they brought home or, you know, what kind of argument they had with this person that you overheard or things like that. I mean, of course, it's like if there's some kind of situation where it's like there's conflict between you and your roommate and you're needing to get outside help or something like that, then yes, talk about it. But just for the sake of courtesy, you know, it's good to just avoid spreading the details of someone's personal life because they are kind of buying into this idea that home is also like this private safe space where they can expect that. Um, 
And uh, moving on to the next one, you know, related to some stuff that we talked about earlier is sit down either with your roommate or your nesting partner or romantic partner, whoever, and have some intentional discussions about the home environment that you want. Like, what's the kind of feeling that you're looking for? What's the kind of decor that you're looking for? Um, What's the level of sound that mm-hmm. you're both comfortable with. I'm definitely someone where I'm like, even if I'm in party mode, I want the music to be super quiet. And I've lived with people who are like, no, like as soon as I need to do chores, like I blast that music up as high as I can, you know? So talk about like the level of sound that you want in your environment. Um, again, about the cleanliness, create an action plan for how that environment will be created and also maintained. And so that's things like whether it's, oh, let's go together to go to Ikea and pick out silly, cheap things to decorate the place with. Or it's like, let's actually codify a way to divide chores for maintaining cleanliness or, you know, find a way to collaborate with the person that you're living with, with actionable steps, like specific things in order to both create and maintain the kind of space that the two of you want to share. Yeah. The next one is also having intentional discussions about your schedules. Um, and this mm. is a little different from what we talked about before, which is about um, which is about sort of like what's your work schedule, what's your routine like, and this is kind of more about how are you going to schedule things like having people over, um, having sexual partners over, uh, things like that. And this I think your applies thing. right whether you're in a non-monogamous relationship or whether you're living with a platonic roommate and you're both dating people, or maybe you're with a romantic partner and you have friends who you like to stay up late with sometimes. Like anything that's kind of outside of the normal routine. Like how do we communicate about this? How do we plan things in advance? How do we do this in a way that's respectful to each other? Um, Some some questions to ask that, that would come up with um, either in non-monogamy or with a platonic roommate, is things like, is it okay for me to give a key to a romantic partner? That mm. to you might be like, oh, well, of course I trust this partner. I'll give them a key. And to your roommate, that might be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why are you giving away keys to our place? I don't feel safe anymore, right? Mm. Um, it could be something like, can my partner be here without me? Like, if they spend the night and then I leave for work, can they hang out for a while before they leave? Or are you not comfortable with that, right? Just having those conversations beforehand instead of it just being something that one or the other of you assumes. Um, another one, I love this one, is how much clothing does everyone need to wear when they're in the house? Um, this one's, I guess, not quite related to scheduling, but related to having people over, things like that. Of like, how much clothing are you each expected to wear if you're going to have someone over, does that then change the rules for how much clothing you need to wear or that your guests wear, things like that? Um, how you know loud can we have sex at what hours? Um, right? Like these are very real, maybe very not real things. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> maybe work out a way to communicate communicate that of like, yes, it's fine if you have loud sex. Just like try to let me know a little bit in advance, and I will find somewhere else to be or like put my headphones on and, you know, be doing something else. Right. Whatever it is, like have those or like do whatever you want to do, but like put on some music 
So that hey, bro, it's... we're going to have right. sex again. Right, something, <laughs> something like that, um, of just to find a way for you to communicate about that. And I think it's a great to do beforehand rather than when someone is over and you're trying to like mm. have this secretive conversation <laughs> like while the person huh. that, that you're kind of trying to figure this out on behalf of is there, right? Um, okay, next one. Last one in this list of actionable things for being a good roommate and for cohabiting is... Um, seriously, 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 I'm going to say it three times. Seriously, seriously, seriously consider before you combine finances in a permanent way. So for example, not sign, not co-signing for a credit card or a loan. Um, or if you do decide to open a joint bank account to also maintain individual accounts, don't have that become your only account or make one of your accounts into your mutual account, something like that is... And and this is something that I know people do, and you may still do, and you may already have done, and that's done. Um, but this is something that I am hearing this advice from more and more financial advisors, no matter how old you are and whether you're married or not, right? Of of really like having some autonomy in your finances, mm. of not completely making these all together where neither of you have access to any of your own money without that directly pulling from an account that's taking money from the other person. I just want to drop this into the conversation. I don't mean to be a bummer about it, but just wanted to bring to light the fact that like financial abuse is a real thing that people experience. Often it's wrapped up in many other forms of abuse um, or sometimes it's a standalone thing. But, you know, if you have a partner or someone who's insisting that you can't have an individual account or insisting that they be the one to like take care of all the financial things or even limiting your access to your own independence as far as like your own finances go like that counts as financial abuse. So that's just something to think about as well when having these conversations or evaluating kind of what your situation is with the person that you live with. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. So we're going to talk briefly about particularly special considerations for people who are in Special relationships. And what I mean, what I mean by that is just anyone who's not in like a monogamous relationship, because so much of the advice out there about cohabiting with someone is making that assumption, right? That mm-hmm. you're monogamous or maybe married. Um, you're not having to navigate either of you leaving to go on dates or bringing other people over to have sex with them or whatever. So a couple things to bear in mind specifically for people in non-monogamous relationships. Um, we've talked about this on episodes before, but specifically like the bed. The bed the is bed. such a... The bed. Our bed. Yes. It's a charged thing, the bed that you share with someone. And there's definitely a lot of potential conflict that I've seen arise around how you feel about your partner sleeping with someone else in the bed that you share. Some people don't care. Some people think it's hot. Some people are really turned off by it. Um, so that's definitely going to be something, again, ideally that you discuss before sharing a space with somebody if you can. Um, or if you're already living with someone and you are choosing to open up or explore non-monogamy, have a conversation about it before it happens. Um, you know, some people... If they're able to have a guest room or a guest bed, sometimes they find that's just the easiest solution is just like, well, whatever, like anyone new that we bring home, we, you know, sleep with them in the guest bed and then we kind of keep those spaces separate. Obviously, not everybody has access to a guest room or a guest bed. And so sometimes it does mean that you're going to have to negotiate. How do we make 
other people in our bed feel okay. Um, some people do make the decision of like, we just don't bring anyone home to be in our bed, which works for some people, but doesn't work for other people. Um, I feel like some more people often decide, that one doesn't become sustainable. Yeah, That's a more hard often one to, it's to keep tough. going. Yeah. yeah, it does become hard to maintain for people, especially if people are seeking out like more in you know emotionally intense long term relationships. Yeah. Um, some people just decide like, great, you know, have sex with other people in our bed, but just please change the sheets before mm-hmm. I'm sleeping in it again. Um, or sometimes it's about like I'm okay with new like people I don't know sleeping on my partner's side of the bed, but not my side of the bed. Um, mm. Or sometimes people are like, I don't care. Like, use my iPhone charger. Use my chapstick. <laughs> um, use the condom. <laughs> I put condoms in the drawer for you. Have fun. You know, um, none of those are necessarily wrong. It's just really, or, or right or whatever. It's just really important to make sure that you give it the weight and time and space to talk about those things. And it's also okay if that develops and changes over time as you get more comfortable with the concept or, oh, or yeah. you know, become more used that to things. That one's definitely changed over time for me. Yeah. Like, and when yeah. Emily and I were living together, like that definitely changed a lot over time too, as we totally. got more used to it and kind of, um, yeah, just kind of had ongoing conversations about that. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, and kind of to piggyback off of that, the metamors or non-cohabiting partners that you have, just how they interact with the space that is yours, try to have conversations about that as well, that is yours or your partner's. Because again, like Dedeker said, someone may be super okay with like, yeah, use my chapstick, use my condoms, use my iPhone charger, no probs. But others may be like, no, that is a sacred space to me. And I really have an issue with you like coming in and infringing upon that space. So again, just have a conversation regarding like, is it okay for a metamor or someone who comes into this space to use those things or is it not? Um, Cause that's a really, I do. Yeah. I have like it, at moments, you know, seen people come into my space and like, use a whatever, a blanket of mine or any, I don't even know. I just like threw that out there. Or, like, drink my kombucha, and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> not cool, you know, like, in that moment. And so it is, like, something to think about uh, just having that conversation with your with your significant other in those moments. Yeah, I think an example of this that, that comes from some friends of mine is about dishes, actually. And that's that... Huh. It's one thing. If it would be. It would be, Jay. Tips. This, it this would isn't be about the dishes. This isn't Sasuga. me. This is someone else. I'm, I'm sharing someone mm-hmm. else's. But it stories. would make sense. Sure. That it would resonate with you so yes. much. Yes, okay. of course. That you but would have to bring it up. Yeah. So, so, so here's what it is: is that um, <clears throat> obviously it's annoying when your partner leaves dishes in the sink. But for this particular couple, that's sort of a like, well. It's a little bit annoying, but it happens sometimes. It's not a big deal. However, if the other partner had spent the night the night before, and then there's dishes left over from them cooking together the next day, that feels extra hurtful of like, oh, you had a person over in our space, used our stuff, and then left it for me to clean up. Um, so hmm. that is a much bigger yeah, that deal. Would, that would be not cool. Then if, if the exact same amount of dishes were left, but it was just your partner by themselves that night, right? So kind of... Hmm realizing that and so for them that's something where you know after one of them has the partner over it's like oh shoot i better get up early this next morning and clean all these dishes or like i better do this tonight because when my partner comes home i don't want them to 
be upset by these dishes here. Just as an example, like, this could be anything. It could be about kombucha, like Emily mentioned, but just as sort of a, a real life <laughs> yeah. example. I, and I just want to <clears throat> remind people um, to please don't weaponize this discussion. Mm, yeah. Like, cause like, I just don't want to see people turn it into, you know, like you're only allowed to use this pillow if you sit on the couch oh, and yeah. you're only allowed to sit in this chair because that makes me safe if you only use like this chair and this pillow or whatever. I'm just like, please, like everybody I mean, use some compassion yeah, here. Totally. And it's some like understanding. Yeah. And, understanding yes. is the name of the game. And also like a meeting of the minds in a sense, just being like, hey, like I would appreciate if X, Y, or Z happened. And if your partner is like, well, like, can we maybe have a little leeway on this, this, and that? And then being like, mm-hmm. okay, like, that'll slide. No probs. And that it can yeah. change over time, like we talked about, Totes. right? That, that hopefully those right. things will change. Uh, hopefully they'll change in a direction of causing less stress for both of you and kind of being able mm-hmm. to relax on some things over time, but it may take you a while to get there. Um, right. and, then, and then the last thing here in terms of that is just um, about hierarchy, about if you do have, like, kind of being aware of the fact that by living together, there is sort of a hierarchy that's being established there, whether you are hierarchical or not, that that is something that at least other partners would perceive, like, oh, this partner is more important than me, or maybe they Mm. get more say in your life than me, or just kind of be aware of how that can affect your other relationships. And that, again, is not doesn't mean that's necessarily wrong. It just means like that's an important conversation to have. That's an important thing to be aware of. Um, and then also just the logistics of that, that if you do live with a partner, the fact that if I do want to have someone over, my partner needs to either find somewhere else to be or they need to be okay with me having this partner over while they're here right, that there is some logistics to figure out. And these are things that do require some very good communication uh, all around from all the parties involved. And just, I really urge people, I know I I haven't always done a good job of this in the past, but of being very aware of that and making sure that Mm. your partners that you don't live with don't feel like that they're not taken as seriously or that they don't actually have access to you unless it's kind of convenient for this third party, um, things like that. Mm. And it's, it's, there's not a one size fits all answer for that, but it is something to be aware of and, and to try to be very conscious of that. Yeah. Right. Right. So gosh, we've covered a lot of ground here. I feel like you know, there's such a wide variety and potential of so many different possible living situations. You know, we don't want people to think that it's either a platonic roommate or a romantic partner. Like, you could live with romantic or multiple romantic partners or multiple mm. roommates or by yourself or, you know, spend part of the year living with one partner and then by yourself. You know, like, there's such a wide variety of ways. And so, of course, like, we're not going to be the experts on like every single possible situation. I can guarantee we'll get an email of someone being like, but my living situation is this. What do you suggest for that? Um, <laughs> and so just bear that in mind, you know, to kind of take these principles and see how they fit with the situation that you yourself find yourself in. Um, kind of ultimate takeaways that we want people to have is just to know that it's okay to choose to not live with a romantic partner if it's not if you just if you don't make good roommates you know you can still have a romantic and fulfilling relationship even if you choose not to share a living space together um 
Or if you have chosen to live with a romantic partner or significant other and you're realizing it's not working out, it's okay to change that as well, you know? Um, like, again, it doesn't mean that, like, you failed in some way or that your relationship is less serious, you know? It just means that the two of you are kind of trying to find a way for you each to have access to, like, a home life that's going to make you feel the happiest and the most fulfilled. And ideally, that means that your relationship gets better as a result of that. Um and then I think ultimate, ultimate, ultimate takeaway, just talk about this stuff. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it a ton before it even <sighs> happens, ideally. Just talk about it all the time. I you know, like that, revisit it in your radars and just just do that. That could be our tagline. It's like multi emory mm-hmm. podcast. Just talk about it. Yeah. Just do it. Yeah. Just actually talk about things. All right. So we would love to know about your experiences. We would like to hear, uh, are there challenges that you're going through with the people that you're living with? Um, Or are there things that you've really figured out this awesome way to organize a chore wheel that everyone has so much fun doing them every week? We would love to hear these sorts of things. And so would our other listeners. And the best place that you can share your thoughts with those other listeners is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook or Discourse or Discord forums. You can get access to these groups and join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also email us at info at multiamory.com, leave us a voicemail at 678-MULTI05, or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multi-Amory is created and produced by Dedeker Winston, Emily Matlack, and me, Jace Lindgren. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. The full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.